Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. We're going to begin by reading John chapter 13, verses 1 through 5 in the New Living Translation. We're going to begin this, and we want to begin to give the thought process of what all that Jesus intended for us to have and how he did it, how he conveyed the message. It says in verse 1, before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. But Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything that he had come from, that had come from God, and that he would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water in a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. Can you turn to somebody and tell them, you've got to at some point in your life take up your towel? Turn to somebody and tell them, you've got to take up your towel. A lot of people don't know what the towel represents. The towel represents servanthood. But a lot of people can't find and don't know where to start serving or what to do. Did you know that if you adopt the spirit of servanthood, no matter what you do in life, it will cause you to excel. God is with you during a spirit of servanthood because humility and meekness come with that attribute. And God is with the meek. And it says the meek shall inherit the earth. God gives grace on the humble, which is the anointing. Study the word grace, the unmerited favor of God, the spirit of God upon your life that empowers you. Do a Bible study on that. People get grace and mercy mixed up, but the spirit of God empowers you through a spirit of servanthood. No matter where you go, no matter where you're at, God is going to anoint you and your family And we're going to show you how to see that happen in your family's life and in your life. How many of you want to learn that today? How many of you want to learn that? We're going to learn it. Now let's shift gears right now. Put your syllabus down for a moment. Close your eyes. Lift up your hands. And let's just make this our prayer right now. Let's just shift the atmosphere. You have the authority to do so. Just say, Father, in the name of Jesus. God, we ask you to just bless this moment in time. Let this moment in time, Father, become relevant for our family, for our lives, for our ministry, for our children, for our loved ones. Let everything that's said today resonate with my spirit, God, and your spirit. Anoint Pastor Bobby, anoint my heart, anoint my ears, God, to hear and receive. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody say amen. Give God a strong hand clap like he's deserving of it. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In your precious name, and you could be seated. Thank you for standing. Thank you for worshiping. Thank you for giving and serving, too. If you really want to know the values that were in Jesus' life, that was in Jesus' life, you have to look at the last days of his life. Normally what's important to an individual during their last days is significant to what they lived life for. In some cases we call that their will and testament. Some have prepared that beforehand, some do it at the last moment. And in Texas, to make that legal, you just it's very limited to compare to what other states require. But here in Texas... Uh, one of the criteria is, is that the individual has to be cognitive and there has to be at least two or three witnesses that are coherent enough to understand what was said and conveyed, if it's verbal or what it was written, whatever it may be. But in most cases, the will 
and the testament of somebody is what they desire for their families to inherit and to carry concerning their legacy. I believe with all of my heart that the writers of the scriptures were intentional because God inspired them to do so and write down what Jesus wanted to convey. There are a few things that pop up in my mind, and there are things that I recognize. Maybe you see more, but this is what I saw. Uh, from the supper, the last supper, all the way to before his ascension up into heaven. Between there, I'm going to start with the ascension and work our way back. But if you recognize at the ascension, if you can write these down, if you like, I gave the scriptures as a reference for your syllabus. The ascension, right before he literally spent 40 days and 40 nights with his disciples. During those 40 days and 40 nights, you can get a little bit of a reference there from Luke 24, and you can read again, it was confirmed by Luke again in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, and you read where Jesus described and talked to them about the kingdom of God, which confirmed everything he taught and what was important to him in his lifetime in ministry. When Jesus sat down, we take note and we've read, he gave parables, told stories, and taught about the kingdom of God. The gospel, I believe, is the kingdom. But you would not have the gospel or the kingdom experience without the cross. The cross is relevant. It's the only way through the blood of Jesus Christ. Aren't you thankful for the blood? We're so grateful for the sacrifice that was made for you and I. We know we we'll, none of us be here had it not been for that precious blood of Jesus. But it was so God could give us something greater in our life called the kingdom. It was his presence and his spirit, and he taught that to his disciples and, and sent them out to the nations. That was very important to him. The other thing that we find important was reconciliation and mercy. Going a step back, we look at the resurrection. After his resurrection, coming out from the grave, he met two women, Mary and Mary, and while they were there, they thought he was a gardener. They thought he was, they didn't know what had happened. They went there to find the body. They went there to care and look for their Lord, but he was alive. And the first thing he tells them as far as their assignment and what was important to him in that moment, he told them, go to the disciples and Peter. Tell them what you're seeing here and tell them I'll, I'll meet them in Galilee. You have to remember, prior to all of this taking place in the crucifixion, all the disciples scattered like sheep. The prophet prophesied it and said they would all scatter like sheep and they'd leave them alone. And you also have to remember that Peter, with all of his great promises, Peter, he failed God and he denied Jesus in the campfire and he was preached to by a rooster and was driven by conviction to go and repent and pray bitterly. And Jesus comes up out of the grave and says, go tell the disciples, in other words, and go tell Peter, everything's okay. My mercy endures all things. Mercy was important to Jesus. Forgiveness was important to Jesus. Even at the cross, he was there, and he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And at the cross, when he was there, another thing that was important to Jesus that I recognized the last parts of his life was his responsibility for family. He loved his mother, his earthly mother. By the way, he had no heavenly mother. Earthly mother, heavenly father, big difference. But when he was there on the cross, you can read it, John chapter 19, verse 27. He looked at John, and John begins to describe this moment, and he says, Behold your mother. 
In other words, he was fixing to leave this world, but he wanted to make sure that mama was taken care of. Family was important to him. Family should be important to all of us. And then you read what I read you earlier, the Last Supper. Before all of this took place, the one thing that Jesus not said but did was serve. Servanthood would be the very principle that he would share and teach to the disciples for the last moment in their life before he was taken. Servanthood would be the one thing that he would embrace a spirit of humility by taking his robe and washing their dirty feet. I don't know if any of you were raised in a denomination or raised in church where they literally had foot washings. I don't know if any of you ever experienced that, but let me tell you, it is the worst experience you can have in your life, especially with somebody that's got fungus and never takes care of them things. Just a horrible thing. But some people take it literally and think that Jesus did that so we can do the same thing, but really what it was it was a part of the custom and the culture of their day. So I would actually say the same type of, it wasn't the action, it was the heart condition, and it was the motive, and it was the intention. So modern day foot washing would look a lot like taking somebody's car and doing a detailed job on it, washing their clothes. You know, the towel represents so many things. The towel represents a garment an identity, a mantle, if you will, something that covers you, that identifies you with the purpose, and the purpose is to serve. And that's what Jesus tried to convey to his disciples. But you have to recognize that Jesus, when he was there with his disciples, he considered them to be his family. He made this very clear. In Luke chapter 8, verse 19 and 21, when his mother and brothers came to see him, but they couldn't get to him because of the crowd, someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are outside, and they want to see you. Jesus replied, my mother and my brothers are all those who hear God's word and obey it. Can you imagine how the mother and brothers felt? On another occasion, when Jesus was 12, he had been gone and missing, and his mom, Mary, and Joseph were looking for him, and they said to him again, what have you done? Why did you do this? We've been looking for you for three days. And he looks at them at the age of 12 and says, don't you know it must be about my father's business? I know what some of you would have done. Stop. I mean, I know what some of you would have done. But this was the Son of God, and Mary knew because there was angel visitations, and there was messages conveyed by Gabriel, and, and she had this notion, and she had this inclination, this gut feeling that, that when he said it, there was something to it more than that. And, and she knew that, that he was taken care of what God had called him to do. So we don't read about any kind of repercussions from that. He didn't get, I don't know if he got in trouble for that or, I really don't know. But he made it very clear from the very beginning, his whole purpose in life, what it was, why he was born. He found his purpose. But when he found his purpose, he just didn't keep it to himself. He taught it. He trained others. He helped them. He discipled them. That's the call. And they became part of the family business is what I call it. The family business. It's when you find your purpose and you teach it to others and you begin to convey the same attributes, the same heart, the same spirit of servanthood to others. Everyone's skills change. Everyone has different traits. 
But there's one thing that we do all have in common, and that's a heart for God. That's a heart for God, being in love with God. Being a servant is an attribute of having a relationship with the Father. Through Jesus Christ, through the Spirit of Christ inside of you, Our greatest ministry, our greatest ministry is doing life together with our loved ones. That's our greatest calling in life. If you're a dad or if you're a single person wanting to get married one day, if you are a grandparent or maybe you have raised your children, it doesn't matter how old your children are and it doesn't matter what the future, you still are an influence in somebody's life. I want to set this tone for a moment because I'm going to be speaking of the family, but I want to give hope to everybody so everyone can receive the message. If you have raised your kids and they have left home or they're not living for God, let me encourage you. The way you win your children to God is by loving God and loving them, and you never stop praying for them. Never stop praying for them. Always believe that God has more for them, and opportunity will present itself because you still are an influence in their life. If you're here and your parents aren't in church with you and maybe you're by yourself or uh, whatever your situation is, keep praying for them. Keep believing. Keep living for them. Prepare yourself for the next stage of your life. If you're single, you know that you're looking for the right man. I guarantee you the right man is looking for the right woman. So don't look for Mr. Right. Become Mrs. Right. And then Mr. Right will come. And so, you know, I've always said this. I said, I tell our, our, at least our girls, and you've heard me say this a hundred times, but if you'll make Jesus your king, he'll bring you a prince. Putting God first in your life matters. But you got to prepare right now to realize that you find your purpose in him. So you never get connected to anybody who doesn't have the same purpose. That's what you call unequally yoked. I don't know why I'm teaching this today. Maybe there's some more single people here. I don't know. I'm just telling you. When families come together and have the same purpose and sense of responsibility and calling, families become an unstoppable force. When a family finds their purpose, they become unstoppable. I'm going to give you some examples very quickly. I'm going to go here and show you how God used the 12 tribes of Israel. The first point I'm going to give you, and the only point today is going to be this, is that you must Find your tribe. Finding your tribe helps you understand how to serve, where to serve, what to do as a family, as a family together, as a group of people. And, and I'm going to say this also to the single people here. If your family's not with you, look around. You've got a church family right here. Right here. This is your family. That's not, that's not anything different than what Jesus said. Jesus said, my family are those who hear the voice of God, obey his commandments, and live for him. No different. Because I'm going to show you what tribe we are all a part of. But when you find your purpose and you find your tribe, you're finding your identity and understanding your purpose a family that finds purpose together thrives together. A family, write this down, write this down. A family that serves together stays together. I didn't know what I was doing when God saved me. All I knew was I wanted to love him, and I did whatever was open to me. Any opportunity, I wasn't looking for a microphone. Trust me, I was not imagining myself up here. We started, my wife and I started by cleaning the church. I think a few times I was the only guy at the church when there was nothing but women cleaning. My pastor asked me to get involved with Sunday school. And I just didn't step in there afraid. I jumped in like a cannonball. Got wet, prayed, and man, I 
I loved it. Loved it. Saw kids saved and saw lives changed and didn't realize what was going on, but there was a sense of purpose developing in my life. And whatever we found to do, we did it with all of our heart. In fact, when you saw my wife at the church cleaning the church or saw us there, we had one baby on the hip and another in the basket. When, the, when, when, when it was my time to cut the grass at the church, and that time's coming for us, it is actually already the church property needs help every once in a while. Thank God for the men that do it. But whenever God opened the opportunity for me as a young dad and we were on the riding lawnmower, guess who was on my lap? One of the kids. Training them. Developing them. They were there all the time. I don't know if you saw this when they showed the CARES event. Did you see the mama at the door with the little girl behind her? I love it when families show up together. I love it when families serve together. We feel like as parents, oh, my God, we're depriving our kid to so much because we're so involved at church. No, 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 you're not. You're not. Bring them with you to serve. Bring, well, they don't know how to behave. Bring the chanclas with you, too. It doesn't matter. Bring the belt. Y'all don't know nothing about that, do you? That's the sound of freedom. It'll set you free. But you're going to let God train those kids in ministry. Ministry is serving. Guess what all of my kids do today? They're all serving. Even the youngest one. He's in the parking lot. Well, I'm just saying, you don't want to be a Rivera. You start in the parking lot. Everybody in the parking lot. Everybody. Clean the church. Get involved. It's in our DNA. Someone say, i got to find my tribe. Come on, say it out loud. I need to, Lord, help me find my tribe. Who am I? My identity. I'm going to give you some examples. Now, I understand to all of our scholarly students here, there are different levels and different dimensions of, let me rephrase that. There are different phases of the 12 tribes of Israel. Things happened in their life, and, and God rearranged the blessings and took a blessing away from one tribe, gave it to another and two. But, but at the very beginning, they all started off with Jacob the patriarch, speaking over their life. The first one, if you look at this chart here, I want to show you the chart, and you can take notes with this, write these down, and then you go home and research them. When they were prayed over, Reuben, the firstborn, the first, he labeled him as unstable water. Unstable water, because Reuben was so passionate that he would become an influence and when he did something, he could either wreck a life or he can build a life. Reuben wrecked it. But there are people and there are families that have that type of influence in their life. They will come into church or any business and they will add to it, build it up, encourage the atmosphere, encourage people. I mean, when a family comes in or an individual comes in with a smile, it's infectious. When a person or a family comes in and serves with the type of mentality, it's like a breath of fresh air to any pastor or any leader. They're like, oh, my God, thank God the Garcias are here. It's about 10 Garcia families in the house. There is something good about those types of people. If your family's a type of family that when you show up, everyone feels good. You've got a purpose, and your purpose is so, you don't know. Because don't exempt the skills and the traits, because these are character attributes. These are anointings. That when you couple with your purpose, you can build or you can tear down. Simeon was the second. He was the aggressor. Simeon and Levi both took aggression and vindicated their sister for a wrongdoing. So God had to limit them in their blessing, but yet he was known as the aggressor. I call him the avenger. Simeon was the avenger. 
And there are people, and recognize with every one of them, despite the faults and their shortcomings for every tribe, because every tribe, or at least every other one, had a challenge. They all had challenges. They weren't perfect. But did you know, no matter what your personality is, or no matter what your trait is, when you have the Spirit of God in your life, the Holy Ghost can change all that for good? God can take a negative personality, right? God can take somebody depressed and give them joy. God can take somebody worried and give them peace. God can take somebody who's always unhappy and put a smile on their face. So the Spirit of God can change things. So these can go both ways. But as being an avenger, as Simeon was an avenger, there are people who come in that are, that are for the underdog. They look for people that have been knocked down, but they'll pick them back up. And they'll go into prayer, and they'll be avenged in prayer. That is the people. There are people that have learned how to carry the burdens of other people in prayer. People that really do care. People that look at people and say, you know what? We don't have to put up with that. Let's agree together. Let's agree that God will move. Let's agree that God will have vindication. Let, let God redeem the situation. If that's your family, no matter what you do, you're going to be a blessing to somebody, and you will help somebody in the most terrible time of their life. And Levi was known as the cleric. Levi was also referenced as someone who was attached. The Levitical priesthood were those who were called to serve in the temple. I think God, when God calls families to serve, I love it when God saves families. That's what's been happening lately at Riverside Church, and we love it. God used to send one or two and maybe a couple here and a couple there, but now God is winning entire families. I love that. This morning's service was filled with families. It's it, it just amazing. But when God sends a family and there's a special trait in that family, you're going to see the kingdom of God begin to grow. You're going to see lives begin to change. And there are some families that are meant to be connected, like every family should feel connected. But did you know that pastors are called to cities? And the same way they're called to a city, to, to a church, God calls people to that church, calls them. And if there is an alignment between the two and there's an agreement there and there is unity there, there is nothing that God can't use them for. Unity is what God blesses. And I thank God for every family that feels called to serve and take care of the temple. I mean, by temple keepers, I'm talking about people, men, men who know how to fix things, men who know how to build, women that know how to craft, men and women that know how to clean. I don't want to leave that to one gender. But I'm telling you, the Levitical priesthood, ministry is more than a microphone. <laughs> ministry is about serving and taking care of serving people and taking care of the house of God. No matter what the gift is. But I promise you this. If you have children and you know there are things you can do and things you know how to do, don't hesitate. Don't be hesitant. Get involved. Train your children how to do the same thing, and you will keep your children in the grace of God, and they will follow after you and mimic you and parrot you and everything that you do, and when they get older, guess what they're going to teach their kids? They're going to teach their kids the same way, the same thing. The same thing will evolve in their lives. You're not wasting your time when you're serving the church. You're not wasting your time, and Judah was called the leader. Judah was called the leader because it was a selfless call in his life. In fact, David was from the tribe of Judah. And Jesus was of the lineage of David. 
Therefore, Jesus said, I've come to do the will of my Father, and he gave him all the credit for all things. Judah means praise. That means that from the tribe of Judah, everything that happened in their life, they gave praise to God. God used their life to give himself glory. And it requires a person with selfless motives. People who don't want the credit, but yet God promotes them. Let me say that again. God promotes them. God promotes people. People don't promote people. God uses them to promote them, but promotion comes from the Lord. God will put you on somebody's heart and give you favor with somebody. And I promise you, if you're working for someone, you're working for a company, I promise you this. If you'll serve under them or in that company or whatever you're doing as if you're serving to God and not accept, you know, there are cameras everywhere. People know. People talk as well. But if you'll serve God, God, it ain't going to be long. That boss is going to come up to you and say, I just, I, I like your spirit. You're a hard worker. You never have to ask for a raise. You never have to ask for promotion. Promotion comes from the Lord because he's the only one that can touch a person's heart to make them serve that way. The tribe of Judah does everything for the praise of God. The tribe of Judah does everything so God can be glorified. And there's the tribe of Dan. Dan was a person of law and order and justice. Many times ushers feel that sense of law and order and justice and protection there as well. But Gad is there also for that, and they tie hand in hand. But law and order, people who like to do things by the law, people that like things in order, people that understand structure, people that understand leadership, people that can also receive instruction and give instruction. They're accountable in both ways. That's what we need in the church. That's what your employer needs. That's what your business needs. That understanding, like Dan, the judge, the judge, Naphtali, the free spirit. How many of you know free-spirited people? Many times those people are in the arts. Many times God uses them as musicians. Many times, not all the time, so most of the time he uses them as singers and worshipers and things of that sort in any arts. But this, the spirit of Nephtali, the anointing rests on them so they have to be careful of the words that come out of their mouth because when God uses them, they're anointed and they'll flow freely with it. The scripture reflects referred to Nephtali as a deer in the field, free. A deer, just living life free. There are people that come into our life sometimes that are just so refreshing. But if that person isn't praying or that family isn't praying, there's a lot of drama there. <laughs> if you're not praying, the Nephtalis, the free spirits, they can let the love of God and the joy of God and the peace of God begin to flow. But if they're not walking right, there's a lot of drama there. So Nephtali has to watch themselves. But a family carries that type of ministry as well. And your skills have to be honed. Your craft has to be honed. Gad was the warrior, the protector. Gad was somebody who would... Look at the values and protected the values. Gad is someone, the tribe of Gad is someone who protects their values. And there are families that come in to hold up the integrity of the church by living the life. They have no double standard. They don't judge anybody else. They just are true to the call. Let me encourage you. If you're going to live for God, live for God. Live for God. Love him with all of your heart. Give him everything you've got because you can't outgive God. You can never outgive God. Somebody say, I agree with that if you hear me. I agree with that. The warrior, the protector, the defender. And there's Asher, the tribe of Asher, the prosperous one. There are some people that just have uncanny favor in their life. They prosper in everything that they do. I call them networkers as well. They have favor with people. They, they don't necessarily have a business mind, 
They don't necessarily have a certain particular skill set, but whatever they do, they seem to always be at the right place at the right time. You know anybody like that? At the right place at the right time. You want to know why? Because Asher, the people that have that call in their life, have opportunities presented to them because they have a right heart and they're tender to the voice of God. Therefore, when God leads them, sometimes they don't even know it. They're just obedient because they want to do what's right. And they're tender towards Him. I think God sometimes when there's families that just come in, I mean, like, throughout this ministry, there have been times we really needed help and God would send a family at the right time and they had tremendous favor, and they would help us do something or connect us to somebody concerning the need that we had. You need people with favor in your life. We need people that are going to network us with the life moves at the speed of relationships. Everyone say Essekar, the scholar. I'm almost done. Essekar. The Essekar tribe were those who knew the times and the seasons, and they were scholars. They would study. Some call them astronomers as well because they would study the stars, and they would know when the seasons and different seasons would come, okay, in the Jewish customs and the culture. But more than that, they knew the mind of God. They had a strong prophetic gifting. And when the rest of the tribes needed direction to know what to do with the present circumstance, they would show them and teach them how to do it and get them through the season. Essekar had that ability. Essekars are teachers. The Essekar tribe has a prophetic voice. Those are people that are spiritually gifted, that come into the body, that began to help the rest of the tribes. And then there's Zebulun. Zebulun were the business people. What you need to know is that the Essekar tribe and Zebulun tribe, they worked together. God would call them together. You ever wondered why God called the disciples by twos? You want to know why? Because they were apostles and prophets. And he sent apostles and prophets together. Read the New Testament. The apostle had the authority, the business mind, and so forth. And then the prophets knew the voice, the seers, the awareness, the know-how. There were different types of anointings that worked together hand in hand. And many times when people marry, opposites attract for a reason. Opposites attract for a reason, to balance each other and to go further. Sometimes having the same personality isn't a good thing, Some, which is not a bad thing when you're filled with God's presence and you understand each other and you know how to work together. But having opposite personalities and giftings can be a very powerful thing. I actually think it's more powerful. They complement each other. And what happens in this tribe with Zebulun. It's a partnership. They're the ones who fund and make the ministry of the Issachar tribe functional. That's a calling. People who know how to do business and also have extreme favor, God has called them to build the kingdom. And I'm going to add this in there. If you have the ability to do this, you need to. And that's this. This is just my philosophy and my way of thinking. If you don't agree with it, that's okay. But I'm going to tell you what I believe in my heart. If you have the anointing of Zebulon on you, an entrepreneurial spirit, if you're a businessman, the best thing for you to do is make Jesus your CEO. The second best thing to do is train up your children in the same business that you're doing. The reason why, this is just my opinion. Listen, 
Not everybody with a doctorate is is a success. Not everyone with a degree is successful. Okay, just saying that. They can be, but it's a character thing and a faithful thing. So educate yourself if you... That's what you need to make you feel secure, and that's what you need to have knowledge of. That's what God's called you to do. Wonderful. Do it. But there's nothing more important than experience and training. So when your children are little, begin to train them and make room for them in your business. Why would you send them out? to somebody else's business to build up their future when they could be trained up to build up what you're doing and they can inherit what you built after you're gone. It's called legacy. And it's never too late to build it. But the way you do this is that you love them, you embrace them, celebrate them, train them, and if they don't feel it, then that's okay. God's called them for other giftings. That's not a loss for you. But if you are in a position where God has called your entire family to do the same thing, then make room for them and train them and teach them and have them by your side no matter what age they are, no matter how old they are. Bring them in and teach them and train them, and God is going to anoint that. And you as a family is going to build so much momentum. He'll build a dynasty with you. He'll build an area of influence in your life that from generation to generation your family's going to be blessed. They're never going to be without. They never have to be in an unemployment line. God will give you blessings and giftings in your family. Does anybody believe that? I believe with all of my heart the only reason people who have the Zebulon anointing, kind of anointing in their life, haven't done anything is because of fear. And you've been trained by a worldly system to say you must follow a certain pattern. When God's given you an adventurous faith that you've been hesitant on, and he wants you to have your own business. I'm just a strong believer in having your own business. I just am. I'm going to encourage everybody, if you can, do it. If you feel called to it, do it. But if not, God's called you to be someone who is meant to partner with somebody. To be attached. That's part of the Levitical thing. God has called people to be with people for a duration of a lifetime because they couldn't make it without that person. That's where the Daniels come in. That's where the Josephs come in. These were second men. These were men who were powerful. That the dynasty, the empires, they couldn't survive without these men. Because that's what their position, that's what their calling was. Like Joseph, the sufferer. Joseph, the sufferer. There are families that have suffered and been through things when they come into a church body. And God has raised them up out of it. And they have a story. They have a testimony. These are the encouragers. If you've ever wondered why your family has gone through certain things in, your li- in, in, in their life and within your life, have you ever wondered why you had to go through or, you know, you didn't have to go through. It happened and God brought you through. You wanted to go, not, not through the problem. Let me explain myself. Somebody said this one time, I'm going through hell and, my, and I think our response should be, well, don't stop there. Keep going. Go through it. You don't have to stay there. And the Josephs, you know, Josephs don't stop at the pit. Josephs don't give up when they're falsely accused. Josephs don't give up when they're in prison. But Josephs, it's like God allows them to go through tough times to be a testimony for him so they can encourage others. And the only way the tribe of Joseph can ever be fulfilled is when they reach out and help other people that have been through the same thing. Going through the same thing. That's a ministry. But Benjamin, come on, Haley. Benjamin, the tribe of Benjamin are the passionate ones, the ravenous consumers. He was referenced as a wolf. Those that have a deep passion for the things of God, and I believe everyone should, but there's something about the one-track mind 
Benjamin tribe. That's all they think about. That's all that they do. They have an abnormal ability to focus, and that's all they do, and they go after it. They sell out, and they devour the presence of God. They're there every time the church doors are open. They're at every outreach. They're at every event. They're at everything. Why? They're addicted to Jesus. And if that's your family, let me encourage you. You don't, don't, don't stop attending things. Don't stop being involved. Keep on coming to church because your influence as a family, you're encouraging other families to keep going through, to keep living for God, to keep coming to church no matter how tough it gets. These are faithful people, people that are so hungry, they show up early. They're there early because it's like getting a good seat, right? It's like, oh, man, I just want more of Jesus. That's what keeps the church going. You want to know what sets the atmosphere in a church? It's the Benjamin tribe. It's those that are hungry. It's right when the countdown starts, they're already on their feet with their hands raised. They're good to go. They're clapping their hands. They're ready. They're sitting down already, moving their legs like this because they can't wait to get into worship. I'll try. I'll try. <laughs> I'm telling you, every family has a gift. Every family has a gift. These are just a few we're using as a reference, but there's more. Now, wipe the sadness off of your face. Put a smile on your face and say to Jesus, I'm going to give you everything I've got. I'm going to serve you. And as for me and my house, I'm going to serve the Lord. And if they don't want to follow, I'm going to love them into it. I'm going to pray them into it. I'm going to encourage them into it. I'm going to stop preaching to them. I'm going to stop trying to make them feel guilty for not being here. I'm not going to try to do it my way, but I'm just going to worship our way into it because I'm going to sell out to you, Jesus. I'm going to sell out and I'm going to give you everything I've got. Here is the good news. Here is the good news. The good news is, guess what tribe we are all a part of? Guess what tribe? If the lion of the tribe of Judah was Jesus, if the tribe of Judah came from the loins, Judah gave birth to King David. That's where David was from, the tribe of Judah. That's why David's life, every enemy he defeated, everything he accomplished, he gave God the praise. And God told David, because you give me the praise and the credit, I'm going to make sure that there's never a king. You're never without a king in your lineage. But there will always be one there on the throne. And guess who he sent? He said, your kingdom will last forever because he sent Jesus, who was called the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the one that God would raise up with the boldness in the kingdom to devour our enemies that would give God praise. What was the lifestyle of Jesus? One of servanthood. Why? Because he didn't get and take the credit for nothing. He gave all glory to his Father. And guess who inherited the Spirit of Jesus Christ? Come on, somebody. Guess who inherited the Spirit of Christ in their life? Guess what your calling is. Your highest calling is to serve, to give God praise. And if you want to see an anointing and a blessing in your life, everything you do, everything you say, everything and every way you serve, give Him the credit for everything, and you're going to see God do something miraculous in your life. Here's what we want to do right now. 
One member from each family. You heard me right. One. To, let me repeat this to all the Latinos. Not one for your cousin and your tia and your grandma. That's not, one per family. Come up and get your towel. Here's one right here. If you got one of this morning service, congratulations. One per family. Come and get yours, and we're going to pray together. And when you get your towel, go back to your seat and join your family because we're going to pray. Because we're going to pray. <laughs> Y'all are laughing, but people are already doing it. I want to give you the weekly challenge while y'all are doing this. Are you ready? Here's the weekly challenge. Start now. Start serving as a family. Start serving as a family. Start serving as a family. That's the challenge. Start serving as a family. Now, if you got a towel, I want you to get with your family right now. Everyone get together in a huddle. Everyone join hands if you can. Touch that towel. That towel is going to be a, a point of your faith, a contact of your faith. If you're, if you're here, maybe you're single, grab a hold of that towel. Maybe you're engaged. Join with your, with your future spouse by faith. Come on, don't be afraid. Here, here's what we're going to do. We're going to agree that as for us here today that the anointing that God has placed in our family that we are going to give it everything we've got together we're going to do life together and if you're here by yourself and you're, you're missing family then you're going to use this moment to pray them in and pray over them can we just begin to pray this prayer together just all together Father in the name of Jesus God we pray as a family right now and I pray for my family and I pray, God, that the Spirit of God would rest upon every one of us. Let the Spirit of the tribe of Judah get a hold of us. That same anointing that was on Jesus. Let a spirit of servanthood grab a hold of us. That from our lives, we would give you praise. That you, you would be glorified through our lives. And we pray today, dear God, that the uniqueness of our family would begin to be used by God that we would serve together, that we would be here together, that we will worship together, that we will be faithful together. And as we begin to serve, let the purpose for our family become clearer. And let us do it with passion. Let us do it with excitement. Let us do it with gratitude. We pray over our families right now. In Jesus' name, we bless our children. We bless our marriage. We bless our families. We bless our parents. We bless God, even our relatives that aren't in church and don't believe. We believe that we're going to see our gifts used for the kingdom of God and that you, God, will be glorified through our lives. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody say amen and give God a shout of praise. Come on, somebody. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.